Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 66. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Maximum Carnage team pack, how to take that unblockable team to the next level, and wrapping it all up with another Brewing Buddies from you guys. So let's kick it off with a Rules Forum update. All right, guys, we are here with Dr. J kicking off the show with another Rules Forum update. I think they may have heard your plea on our last episode. Boy, I hope so. I'm loving these <laughs> um, rules. Because not only because the last couple of weeks, I think they may gave us one or two. They give you four this time. And um, one of them is an errata. So let's kick it off with that one. And it's a little bit of a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new kind of combining now. The question was Wonder Woman's reflection in Guy Gardner. So Wonder Woman, her ability is while Wonder Woman is active, when fielded and when attacks abilities are ignored. And then Guy Gardner says Guy Gardner must attack each turn if able and gets plus one for each other attacking die. Does Wonder Woman prevent Guy Gardner from getting his plus one attack bonus? Yeah. And Guy Gardner wasn't written. I mean, it was written before they really went through and clarified the cards. And I like their release stuff now because it's generally much more. Yeah, I, I think they kind of have well like worded. a writing guide or like a writing tome in terms yeah, of abilities exactly, to you know, keep it a little more When consistent. attacks or when fielded and, and then this happens so there's more of a structure to their rules. And so what they did was they errated Guy Gardner to simply say... Guy Gardner must attack each turn if able, period. Yep. And then when Guy Gardner attacks, he gets plus one attack for each other attacking character die. Yeah. So so the errata doesn't change the way he was ever played. It doesn't change the rules. There was a previous ruling that basically said Guy Gardner had a win attacks ability, and you should treat it mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so it, it may have actually balanced Guy Gardner a little bit more when you're playing against Woman, Wonder Woman because now he has to attack. Yes. Because that's not a win attack. That's just his ability. He has to attack, and then he has the second, quote-unquote, second ability. Yeah, um, the second half of that yeah. ability is what gives him the buff, and she cancels the second half of his ability, but not the first half. Yeah, so which I, I kind of like those clarifications where they're trying to align stuff. And this is one of those times you got to remember that Dice Masters is still, it's it's relatively young compared to like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff. I have. mean, Heroclix is celebrating like it's, what, 10th or 15th anniversary this year, maybe more. Yeah. Um, Dice Masters is very new for a collectible yeah. game, so it's going to take time. Yeah. So, and uh, but I do like that they're making the effort to kind of get it absolutely a bit closer, and it really helps the game. Yep. So the next one is Wonder Woman's again. It's Wonder Woman's re- reflections and the brand new Maximum Carnage pack. We'll be talking about that lo- a little bit later in the show. So good. Um, with Shriek Sonic Beam. So Shriek's ab- Wonder Woman's ability. We kind of mentioned it. Um, Shriek is when fielded, choose an opposing character card, replacing all previous choices. While Shriek is active, ignore that card's text, including global abilities. I actually will mention that in later on, but I actually liked how they put that last part in. Yeah. Um, and then the other one they mentioned was Dwarf Wizard, which has a similar ability. When fielded, target a character die. While Dwarf Wizard is active, copies of that character die in the field zone have no text. If you field another Dwarf Wizard die, target a new die, canceling all previous choices. Question is, does Wonder Woman prevent Shriek's and or Dwarf's Wizard's abilities from occurring? It does because of the way that their abilities are worded. There's first a wind-fielded effect, and when the wind-fielded effect triggers, you have to select a card on your opponent's team. When Wonder Woman is active, you don't do that. And so when she leaves the field, there was never a target for Shriek or Dwarf Wizard to to be able to to hit with that ability. And so once she leaves, they still don't have any pending ability or anything going on. However, if she leaves the field zone, if Wonder Woman leaves the field zone and then you field a second Shriek or Dwarf Wizard, then the ability kicks in and you can blank Wonder Woman so she doesn't do it again or you can blank whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of like how they're actually breaking that down is to make sure that, sure, it looks like one quote unquote ability but there's many parts to it and it's there some of them are interconnected with each other so you want to look at the full context of the abilities right yeah both this ruling and previous rulings have kind of highlighted cards that have more than one ability going on and that's something important to look at when you're looking at cards is there a period is there a break that separates two abilities on the same card if so then you have to treat them you know, as separate abilities, but also kind of link the way Shriek is when fielded, 
and then while active after that. So it's really good that they answer these questions and kind of outline how those abilities are broken up. Mm -hmm. All right, so the next one, this is a fun one because you know this is one of our favorite cards here is this Taskmaster photographic (laughs) reflexes where he gains keywords from other characters. We didn't ask this question, but it's still fun to have an answer to Yeah, yeah, so the question was, if I flip Taskmaster photographic reflexes, can I still purchase his dice? If so, is he now one generic energy to buy because you're looking at the back of a dice message card right now. Is there a way to flip him back because the back of the dice message card has no abilities? <laughs> I almost feel like this is a joke question, but, you know, no, you can't flip him over. He only has one <laughs> side. You can't flip him over. If you did, I mean, I would just rule that he would be gone from the game forever, so you'd never want to flip him. But, you know, no, you can't flip him. He's only got one side, and that's the way it is. If in future sets there's another character that does a similar ability gives a certain keyword to all characters if it's flip you can't flip cards that only have one side yeah um and so the the way WizKid says it the final sentence of the full explanation of the flip key or the keyword flip reads only cards with two faces may be flipped um so this is where i like to remind people um to check the dice masters keywords page they keep this page updated like almost day of release if they find any errors and stuff um the the card inserts in the booster packs are usually good but sometimes they still need to fix those because there was some miswording or something like that yeah Um, like i think it was uh infiltrate has a really really good definition of stuff yeah the reminder text for infiltrate does not quite answer all the questions but on the card they they try to stop or try to answer a lot of questions people have so it's much more clear so yeah check the website i I always say when you have a question about a cheat keyword always check the website because that's going to have your most the most complete text because they don't have any space issues they have to worry about and that's the one they always keep updating and you can find that whizkids.com forward slash dice masters forward slash keywords with an s so what if I take my common taskmaster, my uncommon taskmaster, and I super glue them back to back? Can I then use? The <laughs> well, <first>? well, <laughs> then you got you got you got to draw in the you got to draw in the symbol too. Oh, uh, the flip symbol. The, yeah, you don't have to draw in the keyword. You just have to put the flip symbol. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then last but not, uh, not least um, is this is a good question that people have. I haven't seen a lot of people play this the Hawk Dove team as much as I thought I would see. Yeah, um, it's harder to pull off yeah. than I think we most I, people initially I, thought. I've played it a couple times, and it's fun when it works. It's not so fun when it doesn't work because... It's an expensive combo to try to pull <laughs> yeah. off. Um, so the question was, interesting situation arose yesterday, and we want to make sure we played it correct correctly. Hawk makes right um, reads, while Hawk is active, if Dove is KO'd, deal damage equal to Hawk's attack to your opponent. And it has a global, but that really doesn't matter for this question. Um, so the question is, say player A has the above or has the Hawk, uncommon Hawk we're talking about, at level 3 with 7 attack, and player B has the same Hawk fielded at level 2 with 5 attack. If either player KOs a Dove, will player A's Hawk deals 7 damage to player B, and player B's Hawk deal 5 damage to player A. In other words, as long as Hawk is active, Dove can be KO'd in um, either field for his ability to trigger, um, and they ask correct, and then thanks in advance and roll on. Yeah, so this is something that I think comes up anytime we have cards that work together as a team, like Hawk and Dove, or like from Turtles, Bebop, and Rocksteady. They're, these cards reference each other, and so they have specific card names on them that build off of them. Whenever your card in the field references another card, it's referring to your version of that card. So if, for instance, I have Hawk in the field and it says, when Dove is KO'd, do this, that's me, I have to KO my Dove in order to trigger that effect. If my opponent KOs their Dove, they're the only ones who get that benefit. Same thing if I have Bebop in the field and my opponent feels rock steady, nothing happens, they don't interact with each other, only my bebop and my rock steady that work together yeah um and they they reference a part in the in the rule book so if you have the superman wonder woman rule book it's on page 20 and it says card text that names a character only considers your characters for effects for its effects your card text does doesn't trigger because your opponent has the same character nor do your dice get a bonus from your opponent's cards of the same name uh, and remember it's only specific names if you have yeah. a card like for instance wong who buffs who gives sidekicks plus one plus one that does not specify it's all sidekicks 
Aquaman who discounts Justice League characters. Yeah, affiliations. All yeah. Justice League. Yeah, characters. affiliations don't fall under this. It's only cards yeah. with specific names. names. Otherwise, if it's set, if it doesn't specify yours or your opponent's, it applies to all. Yep. All right, Doctor J. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad. Hopefully, we can get some more rules for him. Do you feel like is the room not spinning anymore? That you have some rulings yeah come it's, in. it's good man you know i like, mean we got two before two before the in the last episode four in this one i'm hoping for eight in the next one and we just keep continuing yeah. down that trend because we we got to keep your rule 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 semic pressure levels proper in your do some scientific yeah. uh some scientific predictions here if this trend continues <laughs> then by the end of the year we should have millions of rules questions answered and then we'll just have to do an entire show of just rules and yeah just like, <laughs> sorry guys we're just recording rules it's just gonna be me and dr j for the whole episode <laughs> um but we will see you um in a second where we'll be talking about a brand new set maximum carnage sweet all right, guys, we are here with Dr. J. How are you doing today, my friend? Really good. And you, you're probably feeling really good, too, because we have new product that just came out this week, and it's the Spider-Man Maximum Carnage Team Pack. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, this, I've been waiting so long for this Team yeah, Pack and, and to come this, out. This is, I, I like how their Team Packs are getting better and better with each release. Oh, man, this is far and away the best Team Pack they've ever made, and it is just miles ahead of anything any team packs that they've released in the past so good yeah and if you guys don't know about the team pack so what happens is it comes with 24 cards and 16 dice so if you want max dice for most of these cards you'll probably have to buy two of them but they're only ten dollars um and if you're a new player you probably don't want to pick this up if you don't have a starter because this is not going to give you the basics yeah, it won't give you sidekicks yeah. it won't give you basic action cards or dice and with this set, I feel like WizKids was, had kind of listened to what people had said before and made a team pack that you don't really need to buy two of these in order to make it work. I mean, I, I bought two of them, and we played an event the other day, and I was looking at all the cards thinking to myself, I really don't need three of any of these. Everything in this set costs, I think, at least four. No, three. Three is the, three is the lowest, but then, like, Five or six is the highest. But, but, but you gotta you gotta have max dice for the collector. You know, oh. It says max four. That means you have to have four, right? No, <laughs> you don't need max dice. <laughs> um, so we kind of wanted to give you guys, um, a, you know, a nice over review of this set. So where do you want to start off? Um, and I don't know. There's so many good. There's so many good ones. Set. I mean, well, let's let's talk. Let's pick the one that everybody's talking about when we've had two well oh, rules for him rolling about Shriek, which is Shriek. Um, and so she has three versions of her. They're either a three or a four cost with a villain affiliation. So we'll, we'll start out with the number sixteen card, Sonic Shriek, Sonic Boom. Her ability is when fielded, choose an opposing character card replacing all previous choices while shriek is active ignore that card's text including global abilities um i like this one because this is dwarf wizard amped up with dwarf wizard you had to have a yeah they had to die in the field field in order for you to blank them and what i do like about this and it's better it's better than dwarf wizard too because this blanks the global on the card also where dwarf wizard did not yeah it's also better because it has an attack stat on level one, <laughs> yeah, Dwarf Wizard didn't. Because I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you, there's been multiple times where I've played someone with like a flip me- uh, attack defense flip mechanic where it would flip the attack and defense. Right. And of course, Dwarf Wizard only rolls on level one. I'm gonna use Kalos Global on Dwarf Wizard. He <laughs> KOs. Great. <Done>. So, <laughs> um, I like that. Um, and then so we we also have Dark Empathy, which is the number 17 card. It says, Winfield did ignore all text on opposing character cards, including global abilities, until end of turn. Does this sound familiar to you? It's Prismatic Spray. <laughs> Except yep. in character form. Except in character form, exactly. It's like Elf. Prismatic Spray is back in Pog form. I would almost say that <laughs> this is worse than Prismatic Spray a little bit because you can blank this character. Uh, whereas you couldn't blank prismatic spray, um, and you can, you know, there's other ways to deal with it, but it's still such a really good ability. And yeah. her third card has a good ability. I don't know that she'll ever get played, and it's yeah. sad because the, it's like Constantine all over. Yeah, again. Th- this one is a yeah, it's a good one, but you have to like plan your team around it. So it's Sandra Deal. When Shriek attacks, players may not activate global abilities. This is great for those people who love to uh, uh, when you're playing against those people who love to abuse Blink Transmutation Global. What? 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 Did, 
And those I filthy mask green teams what? and multiple men just like, oh, I'll just save 15 masks for Blink Transmutation Global. I don't think I've ever saved well, 15 masks. I'm attacking masks. with Shriek, so no, you won't, you know? <laughs> so this is pretty awesome. I actually really like her ability, although we'll talk later. There's another ability that I think I like a little better than hers. All right, so... Um, that that one, you know, I, I think that's the one that most people were talking about. But there's great other cards. Do in not here. let her overshadow the rest of yeah. this set and think that's the only card you want out of this set because there's so many good, fun cards in this set, especially if you love control teams. Yeah, um, I mean, like, look, just starting at the top of the list, the black cats. Um, I, I the the first two I really like. So keeping the bloodhounds at bay while black cat is active, your opponent cannot field level three character dice. This is Just, such a good card. Yeah, it's because I swear my opponents, anytime they need to kill me, they, they roll that stupid level three character that just has like one or two attack extra to get me through. Yeah. Now I can have this there and you guys can just deal with it. Yeah, when we were when we were at the WizKids Appreciation Day thing at Origins and they did spoilers for this and the new D&D &D set, yeah, there were two cards that really combo well. <laughs> this one... And the super rare Triceratops is coming yes. out in the Tomb of Annihilation draft packs because what it does is when it's in the field and your opponent feels a level one character, it deals its attack and damage to it, and it's something like four, five, six attack. Yeah. So, so both of us were talking about we got to pair both of these together. Basically, <laughs> if you can get those out, your opponent can field level two characters, which is awesome. Yeah, or take damage, or they can't. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably get knocked out with those stats yeah. on that card. So, I mean, you can just totally deny your opponent the ability to field characters with her and it's awesome yeah I, i'm excited for that one the next one is another control card black cat possessive while black cat is active your opponent must cho choose to must choose i don't know why they put choose they they should just put must must choose to re-roll dice that show a question mark energy face during their roll and re-roll step the reason they do that is because it's talking about when you roll your dice the first time and you're choosing which dice to roll the second time you have to include question marks in that role. See, this is different than the promo Riddler that came out because that has a similar ability, but all it says is when your opponent rolls a question mark, they must re-roll it. And so there's a little bit of a difference there. This one's saying you're only forcing them to re-roll it after the initial roll. Okay, yeah. Um, but that one, this is why I don't like this card because they released a better version of it on another <laughs> card around the exact same time with the exact same purchase cost. The only difference is the energy type, uh, but still a really, really good ability. Yeah. Oh, and uh, FYI, if you are the retro box guy, or if you know the retro box guy, there's a typo during is spelled wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and like, and I, I, I kind of even the other black cat. That's kind of cool thematic, I guess. Is black cat nine lives, and she just has regenerate. Regenerate. That, I mean, thematically, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, the name nine lives is really good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for the next one. Um, I didn't play. I know Brock had this Captain America, but did you? You played against him. Did I played against. It? I played against him that had. I think Russ was playing it too. Um, I think yeah. I am. Yeah, I, I don't know if I ended up playing both of them, but yeah, um, I definitely played against what, it. Do you remember which one they put? It was the deadly one, right? Yeah, Winfielded sidekick character dice you control gain deadly. Brock was playing this with uh, Alfred, and it was kind of like it was. I don't know why it was a little frustrating for me, but for some reason. I, I was wanting to block his sidekicks. Like, he would just attack with a couple sidekicks, and I had control pieces in the field. So I was like, well, dang it, I can't block. So I had to take it, you know? And so it's kind of it was kind of an interesting way to play it. He didn't play it the way that I would have played it, with, like, a force block global to make mm -hmm. to maximize the deadly. And you, you could actually, like, use that card, a sidekick, and then is it the black bolt to do... Where you yes. have to, where everything has to block the character that's deadly, and you kind of push through. Yes. Also, um, exactly. So that that's you know I think that's pretty cool. E even his other one, where sidekick character die you control gets plus two attack. I like that. You know the the chump blocker just got a little bit beefier, so he's not quite chump blocking too. <laughs> yeah, his global's interesting too. Pay a generic energy and a shield to field a target sidekick die from your use pile. It's sort of like. Uh, Sort of like Star Le the Star Labs Global, except you can have a shield in anything else instead of a shield and a bolt, and it does a little bit less than the Star Labs Global. Uh, but it's actually an interesting global to have on your team because every once in a while you might find a use for it. You might find a situation where it'll help save your life, 
And so it's just good to have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so let's see. Carnage, I didn't play any of the Carnages, but I do like the ideas of he's getting to use a when attacks or a when KO'd ability. What, what I love about it is it's in the right window, too. So like the when attacks one is when he attacks, you can use another yeah, when attacks. Exactly. When Carnage is KO'd, you get to use a when KO'd one. Oh, man. Let, I hope Russ doesn't put this into like a, a scarecrow. Scarecrow, team. yeah. I, I was thinking about he, he playing just, this, this and just then a, being like, Russ is gonna this a, take it this, with my scarecrow and then a, use it again. This effectively <laughs> just doubled the amount of scarecrow die he has. He I has know. eight scarecrow die now, and with the shenanigans he's pulling with truce too. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but you have to pay five for him, so he's not quite as bad. <laughs> it's probably worth it for Russ. It's the last <laughs> carnage that is actually the one that I like the best, and his is, while carnage is active, your opponent must pay two generic energy more, or two energy more, to use a global ability on your turn. Ooh, so it's a beefier oracle, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't make the, it doesn't tax them for globals they pay on their turn, but man, this makes that blink transmutation global expensive. Yeah, or if you're playing golden and somebody wants a PXG, that's oh, yeah. three masks. Uh. Three masks. Star Labs <laughs> is going to cost four, four energy, energy to do one time. Oh man, that's going to be nuts. Um, yeah, I like it. And then the next one, I think this was the fun one. We had a, we had a pretty fun match playing a doppelganger. semi mirror <laughs> match of it is doppelganger. We saw two of the, his version get played. Too. Yeah. So the the first one is Living Fractal. While doppelganger is active, when an opponent rolls a sidekick die and it shows a character face field it under your control until end of turn at the at the end at end of turn return it to your opponent's field zone um this was fun until both of us realized that neither of us could roll a sidekick (laughs) against each other it was funny because you had this in the field and i had this in the field and i wanted to roll sidekicks so that i could get something in my field i'm like (laughs) i need blockers and i don't care if he takes it from me right now because it's not going to make a difference he'll just come back to my field and I wanted you to roll sidekicks because I had a team that was built around using this yeah. to deal damage. And you wouldn't roll them and I wouldn't roll them. Yeah. So I was like, what's the point of having these guys in the field? I know. And I'm just sitting there like, I just want to make this anti-monitor work. No one ever uses this card. I just want it to work once. <laughs> he's he's so fun to play, though. And I think that there is a spot for him on on some competitive teams because he can really mess with your opponent's purchasing power mm-hmm. if you roll a couple sidekicks in your first initial roll that's two dice you don't get to roll re-roll and turn into energy and spend or spin down into energy yeah. C- could i mention that your win condition was back burn yeah it was pretty <laughs> awesome i paired him with the the promo scarecrow to try to lock the sidekicks in the field did a pretty good job and uh, i was i Kevin had to end up buying basic actions just <laughs> yeah, so he just could have keep four in his bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Yep. All right. So, and then the next one we saw this one used too is Doppelganger Six Arms. Winfielded KO all opposing sidekick character die dice and deal one damage to target opponent for each sidekick KO'd this way. Brock was using this too, and I. I, I was like, I had a hard time deciding which of those doppelgangers I wanted to play because this one seems like it's fun too. This is a really strong ability on a four-cost card. It's four, right? Yeah. Yep. Really strong ability on a four-cost card, especially if, I mean, he's just a good all-around way to clear out annoying chump blockers from your opponent's field. Oh, anytime I play Zach when he fields like seven of his sidekicks on turn four. Well, you're never, if you're playing against Zach, you're never going to roll this character anyway, even if you buy it. So it's, that's a moot point. But, but yeah, it's a really strong ability. You can clear out some, some chump blockers. If, you're, if you happen to run into somebody who's playing a sidekick team, man, oh. he really hurts. If you're playing against somebody who has Alfred, this could end up hurting them because they keep bringing him back, and every time you field him, you're going to knock out those Alfreds, and he's going to take damage every single time. That's when they're rolling. Come on. Come on. Sidekick. Roll roll a sidekick face. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's definitely he definitely has a spot on on some competitive teams, I think. Yeah, and and th- his other one is the deal damage to non-villain character die for each number of sidekicks in the field. That that could be it. Both you and your, op- yeah. your opponents. I mean, he's a five cost, so it's a little bit pricey for what he does, but if you're playing if, if you're playing like a, a foot ninja like a foot ninja Casey Jones team, imagine that. You can Just, end up yeah. dealing like eight damage to a character. Uh, all right. So and then the next one, I believe, is Iron Fist. I know Russ liked this. Uh, oh, he found a way to abuse oh. this. <laughs> yeah. Um 
So the the one that he was using is what when Iron Fist attacks, he gets plus one attack for each fist in your reserve pool, excluding question marks. I like how they exclude that. So it yeah, you have to like so if you do get a question mark, you're gonna do I re-roll it to try and get a fist or do I keep it as a question mark? Exactly. Um, this card goes back to what we talked about earlier in our rules segment, the when attacks abilities and kind of when they trigger. Uh, so when Iron Fist attacks, he gets plus one for each fist in your reserve pool. So if you have four fists in your reserve pool, when he attacks, he gets a plus four buff. Then if you spend those fists, that plus four buff doesn't go away. It stays there. So what Russ was doing was he paired this with Jessica Jones, and he would attack with Iron Fist, get the buff, and then he'd spend the fists to buff up Iron Fist further, also buffing up Jessica Jones, and and he'd attack with them both and just attack with some jacked up attack yeah <laughs> and it was pretty effective yeah and added over crush to it too while i was at it and he's <laughs> just like imagine this on a fist ring team man i could get make those fists work <laughs> for me three times over don't do that listeners it's messed up <laughs> he's just economical <laughs> <laughs> how do i make this go as far um, as i can and it looks like they sort of brought cleave back sort of um, well, oh so yeah! While I, the let me let the silent speak. While Iron Fist is attacking after blockers are assigned, you may pay a fist. If you do, deal damage equal to Iron Fist attack to non block to target non blocking character die. So this is kind of that anti control because you this team like this team pack has a lot of control cards. That's yeah. almost like your anti control card where you don't want to be blocking with your um, black cat if you're trying to stop or your shriek or your shrieks. Yeah. And uh, so you can knock out their shriek when they don't block with it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, those were the iron fists. There's uh, another one, but it's not good. Don't worry. Uh, about it. it's okay. It, it's a little wonky, but you get, you guys can take a look at that. Um, and any of these Spider-Mans, um, did you like, uh, Russ liked the one that has the wall of text. Oh, so this well, one is uh, okay, while Spider-Man is attacking, <laughs> your opponent must declare at least one blocker for each of your attacking sidekick character dice before assigning blockers to your non-sidekick character dice. When Spider-Man attacks, prevent all damage to your sidekick character dice until end of turn. So is really nice because if you have a bunch of sidekicks in the field, you can attack with all your big beefy characters. And if they don't have enough characters to block all your sidekicks and your big beefy characters, your big beefy characters are going to get through. So it's actually really good. I think Brock was Brock was playing this with the Captain America that gives sidekicks deadly, and that was kind of his strategy to mm, win. He, did, he wasn't able to pull it off, at least in my game, but I, you can see the nasty combo there with giving all the sidekicks yeah, deadly, KOing you, all their characters. And, and your sidekicks some, just sit there. And getting some damage through, yeah. Um, all right, and then so I think the last one I want to mention, because you know I've been playing um, kind of the spinning game again, with vibe, even the vibes kind of on the back seat, but this venom corruptor Winfield did take control of target level one character die until end of turn, return it to owner's field at level one at end of turn. Like I, I, I like that it's a four cost. So it's a little expensive, but I think on the right team that might provide for some shenanigans. I love this venom. It bothers me though, because if you, if you looked at any of the spoilers from the guardians of the galaxy set, the new super rare agent venom Uses the exact same die, exact same stats, purchase cost, and energy type. The only difference is that one, when it when it is fielded, it can take control of a sidekick. This one <laughs> is any level one character. So it's like, mm, so, see, this, I like this one better. <laughs> th- this is why you should be evil, because he's a villain, man. They have cookies and cool control abilities. I mean, Scarecrow does it, too. They're all villains. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that one might be that one might be like when attacks ability. I don't know, but I just remember <laughs> they're really similar, and it's really weird because this one just seems better to me. Yeah. So overall, how do you feel about this team back? So I, good. I, I, like I know you were so excited to get this. Oh, there was at least four cards in this set that I wanted to put on my next team, and I could not brew without this stinking team pack coming out. And so for like the last three months, I haven't been able to brew anything because I'm like. I want to put Shriek on that team, or I want to put Black Cat on that team, or I really want to put Doppelganger on a team, and I couldn't. But now that it's out, it feels so good. Yeah, so I I think I would recommend it. So if you're a new player, this probably wouldn't be the first thing you pick up, but I would say it's a good supplement if you have a solid set of starter cards and stuff, right? And if you 
I, I really have a hard time doing this, but it kind of works well with the Spider-Man starter because there's some Spider-Friend characters in there, and you could make a Spider-Friend team out of that and this team pack. You don't need to buy too many of the packs of the Spider-Man set, <laughs> um, but there could be some fun synergy. If you're a big Spider-Man fan, I, would, I could recommend putting these two together and finding some fun synergy there. All right. Thank you, Dr. J, for this review. We want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think about the Spider-Man th- uh, Maximum Carnage team pack? Shoot, in, shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Dr. J, uh, now that we have new product, keep your mind in that brewing mode because we'll be back for another user-submitted Brewing Buddies. Okay, guys, we are here with Kale King. How are you doing today, my friend? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited. I'm I'm. I got to say thank you for delaying your viewing of a particular season finale to be on the show with us right now because um, I know you'd rather be there in your hammock watching that than talking Dice Masters, right? No? Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> uh, but this is, I think this is – you're, you're always a proponent of helping kind of new players evolve and get to the, that next level of Dice Masters. And this topic that we have today seems to be one of those that a lot of new players fall into. And that's um, about – taking unblockable to the next level because what ha- i think we've seen this happen a lot right with new players we're like oh i can just attack with this card and it's unblockable and my opponent can't do anything about it and that's their entire team you know that's why flash kind of looks tempting because it has the unblockable keyword until you realize all right the a lot of baggage. new players yeah. as odd as it sounds tend to think that flash isn't too bad even the the op flash that we talked about a few weeks ago i've heard new players say well it's not it's not too bad. It's unblockable. And it's so I think new players tend to fall into that. Oh, it's unblockable. So that'll win me the game. Yeah. And it's a simple win condition. Yeah. Yeah. So why isn't that like really, be, really viable beyond, you know, your beginner games or playing against, you know, other newer players? Well, I think there's more move arounds or plays that you can do around unblockable that a lot of players don't realize. New players. Uh, if if it was all about having one die out there that was twenty plus attack, I think uh, is it Dick Grayson would probably be a really strong one. Uh, there's a few others. Yeah, I mean, like Dick Grayson is such a good card until you realize that the pieces you have put together to help Dick get Grayson get boosted up—that's a win condition in itself, right, right there. Right, and you know, there's there's some unblockables that are okay. I'm not saying unblockable is is a terrible thing, like but Thanos. It can't, Oh man, that's <laughs> that one's for you, Jared. <laughs> but even uh, Baron Zemo is is an unblockable character I use a lot because I like to KO my characters. Um, the stats aren't the best. The problem is, is if you have a character that has ten plus stats, there's a lot of workarounds to to negate that. There's a lot of if that becomes a constant playstyle. We hear I hear this a lot with players. I'll bring up cards and I'll say, well, nobody ever plays that. The point is, though, if if that becomes relevant, if that certain card or if if everybody's trying to win with a 20 unblockable, everybody's going to counter that. And then I mean, you could just include a basic you, know, you include right. link transmutation. I know Jared hates us talking about that. But if you're playing against an unblockable team, I save that one mask for your right. four billion attack character and I'll blink him back. Right, blink transmutation. You have Mara who can nerf a character once it gets over yeah, it takes, five. You have yeah. um, Ronan who who just, just sucks it all up. He's like, um, there's also Lex Luthor that does a similar thing. So while it's a good ability, it can't be your only avenue. If you go into a game thinking that I'm going to attack with uh, Namor, who was you know unblockable, if you have more characters out in the field, if I'm just going to attack with Namor the whole time, I have to have some other avenue to get damage through, whether it's direct damage. Um, I can definitely win games with Unblockable, but it's not just, oh, I'm going to get this die in the field and I'm going to attack because your opponent's going to be ready for that. You have to be ready to take an attack. Yeah, and like I I see like a lot of players, they get so focused on that attack, like remember that Kitty Pride, the Winfield that she's unblockable for that turn. Right, right. Every, I, I, I never I, really understood the love yeah, for her. But. Everybody like loved doing it, but there was always that global where you have to pay a life to attack with her, 
And I'd always keep the mask or whatever energy was and like, okay, if you're going to attack with her this turn, you're going to have to pay that one life and slowly chip them down. And what you notice is because they'll be focused, okay, I'm going to buy more, more, more Kitty Pride dice and attack, right? So right. what happens with that is their field's open and I'm slowly building up my wall and I'm burning them down. So bam, you know, I get them down low enough and my wall's going to go through because they just attacked and they have an open field. Right. You know, so you got to kind of think a little bit outside of support, support, supporting that card a little bit more, right, than just right. going to it. Yeah, there's a – and I think unblockable for me uh, playing against it is – I think I don't think as much of it because I always – if I have my competitive teams out with Scarecrow, I, I appreciate that – Unblockable on your that, that's, team because yeah, that's a little extra damage for you, right? Later on. Um, that's why I, I tend to play more direct damage or getting getting damage through ways that aren't attacking, which sounds weird, but there's a lot of ways to deal damage when I'm well, not yeah, attacking. Because you really want a little bit of like the way the game's right now, you want a little bit of both right yeah a little bit of burn and then a little bit of attack and it could be the burn might be the one that finishes you off or the that big attack's going to finish right. you off but you you can't it's really hard to build a team just based on one without other teams kind of outpacing you right the game. so if i'm looking at uh, an unblockable character like i said i'm looking at something like baron zemo that fits into my team with some of the tactics that i use with koing but it also stays under that threshold of five in general, uh, especially if I'm looking competitive, I don't want a certain character to be all the damage. I want to make sure that I spread that out so that I have, it's more viable. Yeah. yeah, It causes your opponent to make those hard decisions because if I'm playing, if I have Ronin on my team and I have your sidekick that's attacking for one, maybe two, if you buff it or your 20 red hood that's attacking at me, yeah, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that red hood through and just suck it all up into Ronin, right? It, right. But I don't have hard choices. But say you're attacking now with eight characters that are three to four attack each, that that's gonna become a little bit harder for me to decide how I'm gonna block and get prevent right. that from happening, right? Right. Which is, you know, you can create an unblockable situation without your opponent without it being on a specific card, right? If I have a few more characters in the field and I clear some of the your field, those characters are going to be unblockable. So I think using abilities that create that, um, there's like basic actions exposed, that give. Like that's why yeah. exposed is so good. If if you time it right, you can do a lot of damage. Right, or dimension door. But kind of tend to, my personal opinion is that lower stats because Mara is a, she's real. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Uh, there's just a way to get smaller stats through. I think the the best unblockable, and I was kind of surprised it phased out a little bit, even though we started getting a lot of allies. Uh, even in before Golden Age, we didn't see a lot of uh, Falcon. Right, that was one character yeah, that the, could the give flying all, team. all my yeah. characters unblockable. Those kind of things are really good. Uh, the problem that I always find with unblockable characters is. I don't think the purchase cost is really on par with with the damage. Mm-hmm. Tends to be four or five cost for three damage. Yeah, three four damage because the ability is unblockable. But then I can get characters that have lower stats or better stats, cheaper. That if I you know build my team correctly, they'll probably be unblockable anyway, or they could be. So new players, just make sure you understand that, you know, blink transmutation, all those kind of things, even though it sounds really simple to say, oh, it's unblockable, they can't do anything. There's a lot that you can do as a player to negate unblockable damage. Yep. So say say you are going to build an unblockable team. What kind of balance and distribution would you want to kind of see on a team? Uh, most importantly is, is pay attention to cost. Um, I know like Robin is a really cool unblockable where he comes back in that OP where he's unblockable, he comes back in, but the setup is, is pretty expensive. You have to have four, four, bat, four family. bat family. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So pay attention. Uh, Namor yet is an example. He, you have to have other characters to make him unblockable. Um, 
I think it's if there's more than two, he's from Justice League. Um, so make sure you're paying attention to the whole Maymore setup. From, uh, uncanny. Uncanny. Oop, <laughs> and, wrong and, wrong and he, universe yeah, there. Yeah, and he also has a stipulation, too, that he has to have two other characters fielded, yeah. and he's a five cost. So you gotta, right. you got to account for that because keep in mind, getting a five cost, you can get it quick, but your opponent's still doing stuff on the other side. Too. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. That, that When we're looking at cost for the unblockable, look at the entire setup. Uh, I know... Thanos is an expensive, unblockable, but really Thanos is a kind of a Hail Mary terrible role. I'll just buy Thanos and eight unblockable. Quite a bit different than spending four characters to make sure that this one character is unblockable and the damage isn't going to be that high. Pay attention to threshold, uh, the meaning that uh, Mara, her kind of threshold, you, you want to stay below that if you're looking at just winning with a blockable yeah, or, or knowing how to kind of mitigate your opponent being maybe you're going to have to have that health thief to steal their energy right. at the right time or things like that yep and you know you usually need two i mean if you're going to face a ronin or a cold gun or anything of that nature you got to have multiple dice um understand that shriek is you're going to face her now yeah, so because that blanks the card on... not the die so that's like that makes right. a difference um, between between what you'd have with a dwarf wizard and stuff too, because blanking the card is just so much more powerful right. than just blanking a die. So you want to think about that. And like, like you said about your win conditions, we kind of live in a world where the meta right now is you got to have either two win conditions or something that you can at least pivot to because um, there's so many weapons now that can just shut down one win condition. Right. So you got to have a backup. I mean, we were playing a match the other day and it became difficult for both of us because we had ways to shut down one thing, but both of us kind of had backup plans ready to go. Yeah. So for myself, if I'm going to build unblockable, I tend to think it's easier to do board clear and attack other than just having a character that says unblockable. So you can have that approach as well. So just well. put a green Goliath on it, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and Until you face a scarecrow, then you probably don't want green Goliath. But... Um, I, w I would say pay attention more to that. Like I said, I think this tends to be the new player thing. Oh, it's it's unblockable. I'm not saying unblockable is terrible, but it's not. But you, you want to flesh out your team a little right. bit more. Don't focus too much on that unblockable. Make sure your team has some different angles to it and more, right. you can play it differently. For sure. I don't, I don't think if you throw on three or four unblockable characters and go to nationals, you're going you're gonna to win in those top tier, tier situations. It, it takes more. You got to be more creative, and you got to allow yourself to create the options for your characters to be unblockable. And if you're facing unblockable, understand that that there are things. If you go to your local tournaments and everyone's playing strong unblockable characters, just bring blink transmutation, force them to change. Yeah, um, and that's what I love about this game is that, especially those kind of weekly tournaments and stuff. If you see something in your, your meta that's you know, maybe dominating stuff, try to find that weakness and exploit it. And right. it's going to force the other players to be like, hmm, maybe I should try something else to counter yeah. it. And the other thing that you can do is is bring characters or cards that when you take damage, they trigger somehow because that's yeah. always... Vicious struggle is always right. a great anti-unblockable. Right. So those are always fun and then your opponent doesn't realize how to get around that and they have to evolve and it, hopefully it will keep your community adjusting yeah, playing, playing that rock scissor paper game in your local meta i think is a great way to make you a better player because then you're like okay well here's this situation what do i do in here and kind of switch it up and keep keep your meta growing um as a whole and then who knows maybe one day the meta from idaho is just going to come down and smash all the utah players and we're like holy crap yeah <laughs> you know yeah, it is. It is interesting how metas are are different in other areas, and you know, if uh, you have those cards that you can play in your area that people aren't ready for, that that'll always throw people off. You know, if if people in your area, as an example, are playing a lot of hush, uh, bring out Lissa Drac. They they won't be ready for it, but it'll it'll shut them down. It'll force them to change and adjust. Mm -hmm. All right, Russ. Thank you so much for trying to talking about unblockables. We want to hear from you guys. Have you, um, what are, if you have any other tips to just going from that single concept of mechanic and just taking out and bringing out a more fully fl fleshed team, or if you have any questions about how to get to the, that, that next level, we always love hearing from you. So shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, 
or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash double burst. All right, Russ, we will see you in a second. So keep your mind going because we're going into another Brewing Buddies. Okay, guys, we are here with K.O. King and Dr. J. How are you gents doing tonight? Really good. Um, I'm excited for this. And keep in mind, we are now doing this twice weekly or twice per month. And it is our Brewing Buddies. That is our segment where we kind of bring a team idea together. It may not be fully fleshed out. And we kind of bounce ideas and try to build a team that is viable out of it. So this one is another user-submitted one. So you guys are always welcome to send us suggestions for Brewing Buddies. Um, Just make sure you mention it's for Brewing Buddies. But double burst at ktdata.net or facebook.com forward slash double burst. We're always welcome to grab these. So this one is from Christopher E. And his email goes, hi, hey, guys. Love the show and this newer segment. I love for you to talk about my favorite golden age team and transformations into a modern age masterpiece. The mechanic I love using is the interaction between nitro explosive personality, vigilante justice, rare flesh golem, and blue eyes white dragon. I know that's that's a card. This is a good looking team. <laughs> I've never played just, anything it, like this. I've played this team <laughs> thousands of times, I think. <laughs> the, the idea is to play the basic action once Nitro has been fielded and then KO Nitro with Blue Eyes White Dragon. This allows you to KO two of your opponent's characters for the price of one uh, of yours, one via Nitro's ability and one via Vigilante Justice. Additionally, if two Nitros are fielded, they can be fabricated for a rare Flesh Golem, and once again, your opponent will be losing a few characters. I'd love to make this team into a rare Lantern Ring team, sorry, Jared, due to the success of this card has recently, but the Bolt and Shield energy is not synergistic. I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions for a modern age team that holds true to this mechanic, whether or not Lantern Ring is present. So you might be in the not camp. Okay, so I have I, I a know thousand what, ideas for this. I team have right one now. idea, so let me say my one idea, and then Russ can say his thousand ideas. So what what I'm thinking here is you play uh, Nitro with the new basic action Truce, yes, and just get a couple Nitros out, Truce them both. Okay, resolve their effects. I just KO, lost money in a pool KO because you mentioned truce before us. <laughs> KO important. KO their characters, and then they have to KO two more. So you're taking four of them for two of yours, and it only so costs truce, you three cost basic So action. truce, they have to. So is that your replacement for blue eyes? Uh, definitely for vigilante justice. I have a different replacement for blue eyes, but but truce. There is the downside that that your opponent has to choose, but. I'm going to argue that that's the, the positive. Vigilante Justice, I target non-Bat Family. There's a lot of Bat Family out there now. Right, but Truce... Doesn't target. Doesn't target, gets so it gets around Raven, Raven and all that. So yeah. if you target, if you KO enough, then they're, they're strapped to, to KO their characters, which is really good. So, but the, the global I would switch on here, and and this is similar to some a team that I'm working on. I don't know, that sounds really strange, but when I read <laughs> this... This is working was, on a team, wow. Uh <laughs> I would use with this Nitro, because this may go on that team that we played the other day, Kevin, is the the Batman Global. And the other basic action I would use is uh, Mutation. So the Batman- not Mutation, the, the new one, uh, Misdirection. Is it Misdirection? Yes, yeah. Misdirection. So, the Batman- so Misdirection yeah. would come out, if I replace my Nitros with level one Nitro with the sidekick using Misdirection, then I would use the Batman Global, which is pay a fist... I think it's a fist. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's the ones for the Batmans from the starters for World's Finest. It's right. pay a fist, KO level one villain or Superman char- character die unless an opponent pays two life. Right. So then you're using Misdirection, which I've started to use, and we'll probably talk about it in the future. Misdirection yeah, is a Yeah, you're getting great, closer uh, to that eight KO that I predicted. It's a, it's a great avoidance of bag, if that makes sense. That Misdirection is a two cost that really allows you to keep characters flowing. Um, so bring in your nitros, especially if you have truce out at the same time, you start paying fists, making your opponents pay two life. But if they don't pay two life, you're KOing your nitro, which KOs their character. So basically you're getting what you want and you're forcing them in the decision. Do I take life or do I KO? So it becomes a lot of fun if you, if you get that going with uh, truce. And then the other thing that I would add, oddly enough, is Scarecrow. <laughs> but this sounds like a, a lot of setup. It is, it is not. 
if you, if you stay focused on it. The other day, for instance, you and I were playing, Kevin, I had two scarecrows out and I trused and I took his, your field of five down oh, to that one. Was, that was, and I had, yeah, it was yeah. a spidey team. So all my characters were buffed with, with, with other abilities, but you add nitro to that. You're then compounding the issue. Yeah. Would you suggest he change the flesh golem? Cause it's while active, your other character guys get plus one, uh, one defense to the, Clay Golem, while active, your other character guys get plus two defense, but he has the fists to kind of help fuel the yeah. backhand a little. Yeah, I would go with the Clay Golem. The other thing that I would do is... Because Nitro, is Nitro, because it's a 2-4 uh, fabricate. Right. And I can't remember if Nitro's a 4 cost or a 3 cost. He's, three. He's a 3 cost. So it's a 2-5 for Clay Golem, right? If he really wants to go with the Rare Lantern Ring, the one thing that he could do... Um, is not go with the rare lantern ring and play something fun. <laughs> no, so you could use the global that we talked about. You could use your uh, chalkboard and then just Alfred. Do not underestimate a simple combination of Alfred and the ring. That in itself is a great combo, especially if you are fabricating, you're using truth so I can KO my two... Alfred's, I can roll them back. My opponents had to roll them out. Then I attack with the ring. Just that added to a ring team would be really nice. If you had Nitro, Alfred, a Fabricator, some Truce, and maybe Misdirection, you can really do some fun shenanigans in there. Yeah. It would take a lot think, of piloting. Think of these keywords. It's like Fabricate, Truce, Misdirection. <laughs> I mean, this, like- this isn't my realm here, this team type here, but I almost feel like if if all you need is a couple Nitros and a Truce, that's a cheap enough combo that you might not even need the ring. You could right. instead just get some cheap characters with some good attack stats. And then once you clear out your opponent's field, punch them in the face with them. Yeah, and Barazimo is a good one to add to something like this, yeah, too. Yeah, because you're knocking stuff out at the yeah. same time. So when, when Barazimo is, if you have a character that's KO'd, you he's unblockable. That you might want to add uh, the Goliath that gets cheaper every time a global's used, right? It's yeah. Each time your opponent uses yeah, a your opponent. or something. Um, so what I'm working right right now on my team is I actually like using Jessica Jones because every time that you would target Nitro with that fist, for instance, we won't even bring Scarecrow. If I target that Nitro, <laughs> just put Scarecrow on it. If I target that Nitro for asking my opponent if they want to pay two life, they say no. They take two life. My Jessica Jones is buffed. Yeah, that's actually a bigger decision they have to decide too because say you have three... I've seen this happen where you have three fists. If they don't decide on that first one, (laughs) they have just made a big mistake because you're just wasting life for wasting life at some point. That is getting you nowhere. Yeah, you want to force them into going down a spiral where... As soon as they say they don't want to take it, then it's it's they end be up six taking life. six damage where it would have been two or three the other way. Right. Yeah. I've and then there. and then with nitro, if they KO, that's that's two care. You know, they're going to KO their character as well, which you know that is a decision that they're going to have to deal with, and it and it's a lot of fun. You add truce to that. Like I said, that gets around Raven more than the other stuff because they're not targeting characters. Um, so. This is the kind of these kind of teams are a lot of fun, but you need to make sure to you, practice you them because interactions yeah, are they're, a lot. S- they're so specific in that one instance that you're playing that you gotta play as many iterations as possible so you can understand what you could do in each of these instances, right? Because yeah, I, I mean, even you who is well versed at playing some of these KO teams, sometimes you're mathing. You have to kind of factor it out for some you, of these. Turns, you could right? also uh, just slap Bruce Wayne on there, right? Oh yeah, oh. just slap Bruce Wayne on. Then yeah, if you're <laughs> you play truce, you yep. KO two of yours, KO four of theirs, whatever's left over, you capture with Bruce Wayne, and then you punch him in the face. Yeah, so this is and pretty- then if you have the Batman Global, <laughs> right? You're paying a fist, you're charging. So this always sounds like a lot of setup, and people always like. Could, could somebody go back this? and make sure we? met eight cards and not gone over <laughs> well i lost track people always poo poo this but if i get a three cost nitro and a bruce wayne out with my fist i can cause you to pay two life so let's imagine i have three or four fists i ask you if you want to ko my nitro if you do i ko my nitro i ko your character that has the low defense and i capture one of yours 
So for the cost of a fist. For the cost of a fist. And if not, then, you know, I've asked again and again and again, and you take six damage anyway. Yeah, yep. so, and six damage is a lot. Of, like, <laughs> if you think about it, that is a lot of life so, taken one turn. It is, yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. You, you, I mean, we all know I love Scarecrow. You mix Scarecrow in with Nitro, man, that's a lot of fun. All right, yeah. so I'm going to put this challenge out because I know you're working on it, and I predicted that Russ was going to figure out a way to remove, like, eight characters like in one turn with KOs and whatnot and shenanigans. So I am putting this challenge out there. You guys are now racing against the KO King to see if you can do it before he does. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, you took out, what was it, six of mine already? Uh, four. four. Yeah, he took out four of my characters, so he's already halfway there. So you guys better start brewing <laughs> ideas up. But I think if I add Nitro and Bruce Wayne to that, I got to <laughs> see how it flows. <laughs> but I could, I could do some serious damage. Yeah, I'm going to like play test against you where I'm just going to field all eight of my sidekick and just we'll just see where it goes. <laughs> like they're just going to be sitting there. Yeah. I I think the one advantage the scarecrow has as opposed to Nitro is is you get it gain control. Yeah, and the, it doesn't have the level, the defense. Right. Kind of issue so, with it. And yeah. and that's the other thing that's fun too, depending on what globals my opponent has, if you get question marks, let's say they have a magic missile or a Mutation. The best is to have oh, those question marks. I've been witness to these mind games. Asking them if they want to KO your character, and if they don't, you just ping out your character <laughs> anyway after they've paid two life. <laughs> so there's that Batman Global is a lot of fun. You mix in that Nitro because Nitro's a three cost, and you buff up his defense, then you're really going to get. The ability to clear out I, some stuff. I've always liked Nitro, and it saddens me when I don't see a lot more Nitro play. Yeah. So if you if if he wants to go with simple ring, you could pretty much do Nitro, Alfred, a golem. Decide on your basic actions in a ring. I'd make sure you had the chalkboard. That's a pretty viable team. You would want to look at: Do you want a blink transmutation, um, and what other abilities you want out there? And if you're going to use ring. With Alfred, wait, wait, wait. So, so focus on the shield energy, right? For that one, yeah. I mean, Alfred, don't underestimate Alfred in a ring. It sounds simple, but just Alfred in a ring is a very viable option. I used it on the online tournament, and I hadn't really practiced much with it. And I, I know I could tweak some things on my team, but I was surprised at how well just that two cost and a four cost did. I'm just like thematically thinking of that too, where Alfred goes into um, Batman's Hall of Rogues, and for some reason he has Hal Jordan's ring there because Hal Jordan taught him how to take off his <laughs> ring for some reason, and just Alfred's slipping on the ring and just going out to battle with it. This is a perfect example of why the ring is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a two-cost shield character in that ring in the field, and I could pretty much win. Well, and when those stupid shield two-cost characters come out with Angela that gives them all infiltrate that can't be blocked, that's not... Yeah, but there's also a character that, that negates damage from one attacks abilities, so yeah. that's also good. Yeah. I'm really excited to add a collector to a team like this. Where oh. oh, by the way, the collector is Russ's new scarecrow, so you're going to hear him talk about collector every episode for the next yeah, well, episode. He's talking about truce, so I'm, I'm just waiting until the truce wagon ends. I don't know. That don't one will know. ever end <laughs> on there. Um, so, yeah, like I, I, I love this idea, and I always I like, I like how you have the mix of both golden age and modern age, so you have that flexibility of going between the two. Um, so if you guys have teams like, hey, even if you let's, I, I want to see somebody send in a request going the opposite way, saying, hey, I have this awesome modern age team. How could I even make it even more awesomer in the golden age team, um, in the golden age format? That would be kind of cool to go backwards, right? Oh, it, I put really a bard on it. Like, I've, <laughs> I've answered all of your future questions of that nature. Wow, you Ms. put a half elf bard Mr. on poopy it. Mr. Poopy Poop pants over there. <laughs> well, it was fun recently. <laughs> Sorry, parents. Going to rain was, on your parade. It was fun when we recently had a, a golden age here because I had been playing with Hush, and as soon as I could put uh, Black Panther <laughs> with a- Hush, man, that was a lot of fun. It was really dirty, but it was fun. Yep. Yeah. A bard would really make that team viable. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for talking about it. I always love these brewing buddies because we have these discussions all the time. And I was like seeing what other people kind of want to put together because, you know, for me, I'm I'm boring and I just like to spin things to level one now. So, and if anyone wants to message me on teams like this specific one, feel free. <laughs> he can I probably he can write you a novel. Of this it. was the foundation of like seven of Russ's past teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, if you guys want to get get in contact with us. Like I said, if you have an idea or anything, just let it know. Let us know. It's for Brewing Buddies. And shoot an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net for, um, and, or facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. We are doing these every two weeks now, so keep on sending them in, and we'll be doing them pretty soon. So, And big thanks to Christopher E. for sending this in. This is an awesome team. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much, and we got to get out of here. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. What do you think about the new Maximum Carnage team pack? And do you have any ideas for Brewing Buddies? Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, places to subscribe so you automatically get the episode and cool player resources. Big thanks to Game Haven Sandy for giving us a place to record. If you guys live in Utah, make sure you check them out. If not, check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. Of course, big thanks to everybody who listens to the show. Everybody on the team appreciates it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor. Thank you.